here on Monday, November 5th, 2018. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by Alex Gleitman. Alex, Brendan White had his personal coming out party, uh, and that's for sure against Nebraska on Saturday. White racked up 13 tackles in less than three quarters of play because Jordan Fuller got ejected with like around 12 minutes left in the second quarter. So less than three quarters of play, 13 tackles, most of them solo tackles. And sometimes tackles can be an overrated stat in football. You can be like 20 yards down the field, a guy will like runs you over, and he happens to trip over your face mask because he's running you over, and it counts as a tackle. He was making some impressive tackles. Um, talk about that a little bit, and how in the hell isn't he playing any earlier than this? Yeah, well, I'm not surprised that, you know, his ability to tackle, run downfield and tackle. you got to remember, this is a guy who many thought was going to be a linebacker coming out of high school, and he still may be a linebacker down the road. Uh, he actually started out when he uh, came to Ohio State early as a linebacker, practicing with that unit, then got moved to safety, then got moved to wide receiver, and then got moved back to safety. Um, so, you know, I think that kind of answers both parts of the question, right? So, first off, I'm not surprised at all with his ability to run downfield, make hits, wrap up, and tackle. He's always been that type of fundamentally sound player who has, you know, a passion for hitting and playing physical and things like that. I think the question has always been for me at safety for him is can he cover at an elite level and I still don't think that question has been answered I don't think he saw I mean obviously I think Nebraska has some pretty good receivers uh, Adrian Martinez threw for a number of yards against Ohio State but I don't think we've seen enough sample size of Brendan White against uh, a, a plus passing attack at the power five level uh, to judge if he's a guy who should be playing safety full-time. I still think there's a possibility he could play linebacker down the road, and maybe that's a solution for them to put in a guy like that who has the instincts and the ability to hit and things like that. But I guess I'm not surprised at how impressive he was in that area. I think why he hadn't played earlier is because of all the things I just mentioned. I mean, think about how many times he switched positions, and that's just what we know as the media and the fans and the public. Um, he's probably gone back and forth a number of times. So to be able to, like, have to learn all the responsibilities and roles and then actually do it on the practice field and then on the game field, um, I think that takes a little bit of time. And so he finally settled into safety this year, and I think he's just been getting better and better every single week. I think from what I've heard from people that I know, uh, he really flashed during the, the two weeks um, that, you know, they had the bye weekend and the prep week for Nebraska. And that's why he was the next guy up when Jordan Fuller went out. That's why Jocelyn Wynn didn't go in. That's why Amir Reap didn't go in. Uh, they obviously have Josh Proctor. They have a couple other guys in that safety room. And so I think when people talk about the coaches putting in the best players, I do think Sean Wade and um, Jordan Fuller were their best combo heading into that game. But I think they, they made a, uh, a move that fans wanted them to make, and they put in a guy – in Brendan White over a Jocelyn Wint or over a Reed, guys who have played more than Brendan White because of what they've seen in practice. And he obviously, it paid off for them on the field on Saturday. Yeah, hopefully he, he continues to get a chance to play. I feel like there's nothing to lose at this point. I mean, if he – you can – He's uh, earned I mean, it. He's absolutely earned it. Yeah, he has earned it. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying about coverage, but, I mean, gosh, this, what he brings to the table in run support, um, I feel like you can – 
teach a guy to be decent in coverage. There's certain things you can't they are just innate. You know, your ability to come up have that dog in you, that he's got that dog in him, like, which isn't a surprise. His dad had that dog in him, too. His dad was a hell of a safety at Ohio State and in the NFL, of course, William White. Um, so hopefully he continues to get a chance. Um, but I like Sean Wade, too. I think all, those guys all need to play, but I think – Brendan White's a guy that, that needs to be out there more. Um, maybe who's another guy or guys, plural, maybe somebody on the offensive line, maybe a linebacker. Does anybody else you think maybe is, I don't want to say rotting away at, on the bench, because even Brendan White was getting out there on special teams a lot, but who's a guy offensively and defensively that really aren't playing when the game is on the line that you think might at least deserve a chance? I think we're fans. It's hard for fans. They're not there in practice every day. We're not there in practice every day. We don't know. And everyone wants to talk about why Davis and Josh Myers, but why aren't those, why weren't those guys ready, you know, in the beginning of the year? And, and, and if they were clearly the better option, I, 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 everyone wants to say seniority, seniority, seniority. I don't think Ohio State feels they owe anything to Malcolm Pridgen or Demetrius Knox at this point. I think they really hope Brandon Bowen's able to come back and they can, you know, throw him in at one of the guard positions. And if Brady Taylor's good enough to slide Michael Jordan back over to guard and that's your best five, I think they want to be able to do that. But I think if Wyatt Davis or Josh Myers in the offensive line were clearly the better option, I think either of them would be playing. I think Myers is not ready yet. Um, I think from what we've been hearing, Davis seems to be a little bit more ready. So that's a situation I would monitor, but I don't think he's clearly ready. I think where I would look maybe, I thought the young defensive tackles played pretty well on Saturday, Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togiai. And I think every time Togiai's in the game, he seems to flash. So I would try to get him a little bit more time in defensive tackle. Maybe you can slide Draymond Jones outside a little bit. Maybe that helps run support. Um, I don't know. I thought Jonathan Cooper actually played a pretty decent game against Nebraska, and Chase Young uh, uh, graded out, you know, as the top Ohio State defender from PFF, which actually surprised me a little bit. But I think the defensive end spots could use a little bit of help, so maybe they could slide Draymond outside in some certain situations and play those younger guys inside. And then I would also look at the linebacker position. I think – you know, uh, tough Borland continues to struggle. And I actually think Pete Werner could be a really good player. I, I tend to think the issue is with the coaching at the linebacker position, uh, not necessarily the talent there. And I'm not sure these guys have been coached up the right way. But I think Pete Werner could be a really good player at Ohio State. But he's just been too inconsistent this year. So I would look at, you know, maybe playing a Justin Hilliard on the inside. Um, I know people have said Dante Booker's flash. I'm not sure he's capable of playing the full 60 minutes, but I would look at maybe some of these other guys that they have, uh, you know, a Keandre Jones and, and maybe some of the younger guys, the freshmen, and see if they can help out a, a little bit. And, and maybe they could play certain specialty roles or things like that because that unit is really struggling this year. I'm glad you mentioned Tommy Togi. I, I love him. He, he needs to play more. He is really, really, really good. I thought Haskell Garrett had a good game too, but Togi is – He's going to be a beast in the future. Um, right, let's turn to recruiting. It was a good recruiting weekend for the Buckeyes. I'll start with running back Marcus Crowley, flipped from Miami Hurricanes to the Buckeyes. He's a three-star prospect. I tend to think he's vastly underrated, but we'll see when the final rankings come out. Three-star prospect ranked as a number 35 running back in the country, number 573 overall in the country, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. I like his size, six foot one, 200 pounds. Um, you know, not a huge you know back, but not like a little scat back either. Plus, 200 pounds, you can put 20 pounds on a on a kid that's only weighing 200 in high school pretty easy by the time he gets to college. Much like an, uh, an Ezekiel Elliott. Um, tell the listeners all about Marcus Crowley, if you would, Alex. Yeah, definitely. I, and I think he's a little bit better than his composite rating. If you look at 24/7 Sports, uh, we have him. I think at like number 385. He's in the top 400. He's a he's a very high three star. It's probably about where he should be a low four star, high three star. 
He was previously committed to the University of Miami. Uh, he's at Trinity Christian Academy, uh, where Sean Wade and Tyreek Johnson were from. So a little bit of pipeline building there. And they have two excellent 2020 defensive backs. So it, it's really nice to have three guys on your roster next year uh, from that school. Uh, and, you know, Ohio State needed a running back. I, I still think Steel Chambers is going to be a linebacker in the long term. And when they lost Samson James to Indiana, um, right now you basically have no running backs. And you have to assume J.K. Dobbins probably leaves after next year. Uh, then that leaves you with Brian Sneed and Master Teague. And so they need to definitely build depth in that room. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take another running back in this class. But this is a kid who I think flew under the radar for a little bit. He was committed to the U. Um, not a lot of people paying attention to him. But he's had a monster senior year. He's averaging over 10 yards a carry. He has over 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns so far, and his season's still going. Uh, so this is a guy Ohio State just has watched uh, throughout his senior year. They obviously had a relationship at the high school with the head coach. I know Sean Wade's uh, father is close uh, to the situation and have been, you know, um, you know, really uh, championing, championing in, in for, uh, for, for Crowley. And so they watched him and they went down and saw him and they liked what they saw. They brought him in for a visit this weekend and they, they closed the deal. So I think this could be a long-term guy where you look and maybe the ratings aren't that high, but he's just a guy who really takes to the coaching at Ohio State under Tony Alford and, and really develops into a nice player for the Buckeyes. Buckeyes now have 15 commitments in their 2019 class, ranked number 12 in the country in the 24-7 Sports Composite team recruiting rankings. And looking ahead to 2020, um, Buckeyes are ranked number two in the country in the 24-7 Sports Composite team recruiting rankings. They have seven commitments. They added another one over the weekend, Jackson Smith Najiba. I'm gonna, that's, that's my best attempt at his, at his name there, Jackson Smith Najiba, a six foot one, 188-pound wide receiver from Texas. Um, you know, tell the listeners about uh, Jackson. <laughs> yeah, turn turn on this turn on this guy's film, and uh, you know you will not. I think he's ranked like the 58th best receiver in the country, or something like that. Find me 57 better receivers in America than this kid. I mean, I think he's a top 10, top 15 receiver in the country. Uh, he's got a great blend of size and speed. He can go up and catch the ball. He's got good hands. He plays in Texas. Really good competition. Um, Ohio State would not take this kid this early if they did not think that he was the real deal, especially with who they have left on the board. Um, that class could be no doubt the number one class in the country if they're able to keep all the guys they have and continue to build on that. Um, so uh, this was a really great get for Ohio State. They hosted him this weekend for a visit. He was actually supposed to go to Notre Dame for a visit, canceled that, went to Ohio State, basically fell in love at first sight. They obviously had been building a relationship for a while, uh, and he came back home and he just said, this is where I'm going to school, and, and he made that decision last night. So that was a really nice job by the Ohio State staff, building the relationship, continuing the Texas pipeline, getting the kid on the visit, sealing the deal there, and, and getting another playmaker in this class of 2020. There's been so much talk about Urban Meyer's future, of course. The way Urban Meyer is recruiting, this 2020 class with it being, I know it's early, but number two in the country, what does that tell you, Alex Gleitman, about Urban Meyer's future? I mean, right now, clearly, if I think there are questions, and I think a lot of schools are putting those out there. I think some of the media members are putting them out there. And I think that definitely has had an impact on Ohio State's recruiting. But clearly the message that they're sending to recruits is that Urban Meyer plans to be the coach at Ohio State, and he's going to be here for the long haul. I don't think you'd have guys in the 2020 class uh, like they got last night 
coming in to the fold with any shred of doubt that Urban Meyer was going to be the head coach at Ohio State. And I don't know what's going to happen. I think there, you know, could be a chance where, you know, who knows where, what health issues escalate and things like that. Um, you, you can never predict the future, right? But I think clearly the plan for Urban Meyer is to remain the coach at Ohio State and coach for, you know, at least the duration of his contract, if not longer than that. I think that is his plan and that is his intent and that's what he wants to do. And I think that's the message that they're relaying, you know, to recruits. Buckeyes against Michigan State, high noon, which surprised me. I thought it would be a 3.30 game. Uh, East Lansing this Saturday. I just want your early thoughts on Buckeyes against Spartans this Saturday, Alex. Yeah, I'm not – I always I thought they were actually going to crush Nebraska, and then it was going to be a really close game against uh, Michigan State. It actually worries me a little bit more, uh, you know, than it did heading into the Nebraska game to see how that one went. Uh, I still I, I saw some improvement in some areas where they struggled, but they still they should not be winning a five at home against Nebraska uh, with the type of talent they have on this team. And I don't care how you know how Scott Frost has the best two and seven team of all time at this point. Um, which I think he, he, he might. But um, I, I just think that this game was always going to be a tough one for Ohio State. Mark D'Antonio, Sam's last year, uh, has a knack for playing Ohio State really close. He just knows how to play them. That was obviously with JT Barrett as the quarterback. Uh, now there's some different challenges that Ohio State has on offense. Uh, it used to be not being able to throw the ball. Now it's somewhat not being able to run the ball. Um, but I, I, I see like a lower scoring, close game, maybe something in like the 24-23 range, and you better be the team that has that 24 points uh, when the final uh, whistle blows. But, you know, as inconsistent, as bad as Michigan State has been at times this year, I think they're going to show up on Saturday. I think Ohio State better show up on Saturday. And I think it's going to be uh, a, a close lower scoring, um, in the 20s type of game, and uh, I, I could truly see it going either way. I think the spread starting at five and a half and now jumping very quickly to three and a half, I, I'd say that's probably about right, but I think the game's going to be played even closer than that. Yeah, very good points. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I definitely have some trepidation um, when I analyze this game from the Buckeyes' perspective. But uh, great stuff, as usual, from Alex Kaleitman. Thank you very much, Alex. Programming note, everybody, as usual, Urban Meyer today at 11.45 a.m. We will interview the Buckeyes' boss, so keep it locked to Bucknut for full coverage. Thanks again to Alex Kaleitman, and thanks to all listeners out there for tuning in to the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeyes swag, best damn band in the land. Five, 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 five,